beloved congregation, the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the most important thing for us to understand as believers is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Without that, there is no salvation. We have a problem and a difficulty within the Christian church of even understanding and being able to define the gospel of Christ. Uh, we are in a crisis with regards to the gospel of Jesus Christ. People think that the gospel is you giving your testimony of how God saved you. Though not unimportant, but it is irrelevant with regards to the gospel. It is not the gospel. People want to talk about singing certain songs or what you do in a church service. That's not the gospel. The gospel is a distinct message of Christ. It is speaking directly about the person in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done. That's the good news. That we all have failed to keep the commandments of God. God demands perfection. And saying to one another, well, nobody's perfect, doesn't bring a remedy to my problem. We have a problem. We have a great dilemma. And that is we're separated from God and under the wrath and curse of God because of our sin. And I don't need somebody to come to tell me, well, you need to do more and try harder and do better. I can't. That's my struggle. I can't complete the fulfillment of the commandments of God. There is sin that so easily clings to me, one who is redeemed, yet the sin still clings to me. I need another to perform what I cannot perform. And that's Christ. The one who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteous of God in Him. Christ has done what is impossible for us to do. He has fulfilled the law's demands. He has hushed the law's loud thunder. Christ has done that. So now I have hope. I have joy. I have assurance. I have a zeal that the Spirit of God puts within the heart that I am right with God because of the Lord Jesus Christ. His perfections. His work, His coming into this world, the incarnation, His fulfilling all the demands of the law, keeping everything perfectly for His people, Him going to the cross and laying down His life to cover my sins with His precious blood, and then Him rising from the dead as a declaration of the Father that He has accepted the work of the Son on behalf of all that were given to Him, and then His ascension now, session, sitting at the right hand of the Father, ruling over all things in whom the Father has given all power and authority. And He must reign until He puts all things under His feet. He is making His enemies the footstool of His feet, and He's gathering up His church. He's bringing them in from all the tribes and tongues and nations of the world. Christ is doing that work. He has promised to do that work. I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We need to understand that with regards to the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is the person and work of Christ. Specific message that Christ then communicates himself through that proclamation to redeem souls. That the power and the authority is the Spirit and the Word. Apart from the Spirit, the Word is the dead letter. But the Spirit works in conjunction 
with the Word. And so we as the people bring the good news of Christ to the nations. And God redeems through that. Our dependence is upon the power of God. The Gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all those who believe. And we know that the one who works within the heart enabling an individual to believe is the Spirit of God. And so with confidence, with boldness, we bring the good news of the Gospel to the nations. That's what we're believing, beloved. We're believing the good news of the Gospel. That's why we gather together as the people of God. That's why we come as the redeemed to worship the God who has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. We come as those who are true worshipers. We come as those who are truly slaves bought and purchased by Christ to serve Him, to do His bidding. And now that we are the redeemed, it's not an either or. It's not God doing all the things and we doing nothing. It is a both and. Notice in the hymn that we are co-laborers with Christ. We're bringing them in. We're bringing the gospel to them. And we're compelling them to come in. We're calling them to faith and repentance. This is an aspect of sanctification. This is how the Lord works in and through the church. I dare say that the world is the way that it is today. Uh, A huge problem and, and a blame would go on the life of the church. Why? We're not evangelizing. It was the early church that has said they turned the world upside down with their doctrine. Could you say that today in the life of the church? Could you say that the Christian church today is really turning the world upside down? Just take the United States. Are we as believers turning this world upside down? Are we making a difference? Is there reformation in our lives so that there might be revival in the nations? I mean, we're we're not a people of the book as we ought to be. And therefore, there's no boldness. There's no courage. There's no zeal. There's more of a fatalism. Well, God's going to save who He's going to save. doesn't matter what I do. It does matter what you do. It matters that you're involved in the life of the church. It matters that you're a person of prayer. It matters that you open your mouth and you call all men everywhere to repent and to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to be those gospelizers. We're to go into the nations and speak for the glory of God, for the love of Christ to call them in, and we're to compel them to do so. Paul is saying that uh, this is what God has done. He has brought two peoples, Jews and Gentiles. Jews are those from Judah, and they were, they were the, in the beginning, uh, the nation of Israel were the people of God. That's where the church was bound up. Pentecost, it began to go across all the tribes and tongues and nations of the world. And now there is one new man in Jesus Christ. Jews and Gentiles brought together to be that new man. No more distinction of, well, I'm a Jew or I'm a Gentile. No, we're one in Jesus Christ. There's no more of the division. The middle wall of partition has been taken down. Uh, That's temple language. You see, in the temple, it was only those that were Jews that could draw near to God. They could come to the holy place. Not the holy of holies. But the holy place. The Gentiles were, you would go steps down and then there would be the outer court and that's where they would be able to come. The outer court. Not to draw near in that sense. It was always this insulation that went on. That's been removed in Christ. Now we come boldly to the throne of grace and we come through the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says in verse 6, 
that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs, joint heirs. An heir is someone who receives the benefits, who receives the inheritance. And we are co-heirs now with those Jews as it began, first the Jews first and then to the Greeks. But now, as the people of God, we share in that inheritance. We're partakers of the same body in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And Paul then begins in our text. Notice verse 7. Through this promise of the gospel, he became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Paul was one, and it says in the New King James, I became. That's just, that, that is a bad translation. He was made a minister of the gospel. In other words, we have a tendency today for men to have what's called second careers. So I've retired from my job, and eh, what am I going to do now? You know, I'm not young enough to just stay at home and do nothing. I need to do something. Hey, well, maybe I'll go into the ministry. And so that's what they do. And I've seen that throughout the landscape of men doing this. And I'll tell you what, they're not called. They ruin the church. They ruin the church because they are not called to that work. They might have theological knowledge. They might have the ability to understand, but they were not gifted and called and made a minister of the gospel, as Paul says here. He was made, he was caused to be, is what the Greek term means. Ginomai. He was caused to be a minister of the gospel. And it's according to the gift of God's grace. So I think of Ephesians chapter 4. And it's the apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers which were given to the church. And they were given to the church to build up, to edify, to strengthen, to encourage the people of God that we all might come to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of Christ, to a perfect man, to the, net, to the image of the stature of the image of Christ. That's what we've been called to do. And so the pastor is one who is gifted and called by God, by the grace that is in Christ Jesus to perform a particular function in the church. Now, he says here, a minister. A minister, this is, the Greek term is diakonos right here. It's a servant. It's an attendant. It's a table waiter. He was not called, and I'm not called, to be up on a pedestal. Look, let's let's get it clear. I'm not any better than you. I'm not any different than you. I'm just like you. I've just been called to a different office within the life of the church. But that doesn't mean that I'm better than you. I'm probably worse than most of you. But the Lord has called me to this work. So the minister is not then called to wear the the pompous regalia so that everybody can ooh and ah. Well, look at this holy man over here. No, we're all holy in Jesus Christ. The only distinction is the office itself. We know, we understand that Christ is given to the offices. But the office is given to serve. And if a man is not willing to wash feet, guess what? He's not called as the minister of Jesus Christ. Because that's the work. Now I've heard men and I've met men who say, well I have a desire to preach and to teach, but I don't want to do the messy stuff. Well you know what? Go sit down. Because you weren't called. Because part of the work 
And a big part of it is the messy things that you don't see. You don't see this going on over here. Well, that's where all the little jokes come up. You know, it only works once a day or once a week. But actually, it's, it's twice now because catechism is on Wednesdays. It's a joke. People like to joke about that. You don't see anything that goes on. It's like an iceberg. All you see is the top 10%. You don't see the 90% under the water. And that goes on as being, being able to deal with and dealing with the messiness of the people. To then be able to bring the Word of God to bear upon the lives of the people of God. Uh, that's what is called a word that is spoken in due season. It's like apples of silver and settings of gold. It edifies, it encourages, it builds up, it rebukes, it admonishes. It assures, it comforts. The Word does all of that. And that's the work of the Spirit and as the Word is being applied to an individual's life. So it's a servant. Servitude. Washing feet. Our Lord washed feet. And yet I know ministers who won't wash feet. I know ministers who won't bend over and pick up trash on the floor. Well, that's below what I'm called to. No, it isn't. It's just what you've been called to. To be a servant in the church in that way. To be a foot washer to the people of God. Now we're all called to be a foot washer, but understand that the, the essence of being a minister of the gospel is servitude and a proclamation of God's word and that alone. I don't make it up. And I'm going to tell you something, not one of you is going to, to cajole me, convince me, or to shoehorn me into saying anything contrary than what the word of God says. That's another thing the minister is called to. To speak the message that God gives in His Word. I don't make this up. This is what the Scriptures teach. And that's what we are to declare. Whether men like it or whether they don't. This is what we bring to the people of God for the glory of God. The aim of preaching is to glorify God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We get the spillover, don't we? We get, as it were, the afterglow of preaching to the glory of God, that God would be honored and glorified. That is primary. Whether the people, uh, oh, I like that or I don't like that, it's irrelevant. What's primary is that God be exalted, that God be honored. And this is what we need in the ministers of the gospel. When you read the book of Acts, those that were filled with the Holy Spirit were filled with boldness. They didn't have a fear of the faces of men. They said what needs to be said and let it go. What the Lord is going to do, He's going to do. Now, we, we, we lack for that today. It's often to me, it's not what men say, it's what they don't say. It's what they leave out. It's what they're afraid to say because men might be angry. Men might then say something about them. Well, this is a messenger of the gospel. It's not my gospel, it's God's gospel. I have no right, no authority to tamper with the Word of God. It belongs to God. It belongs to Christ. It belongs to the Spirit of God. It's God's gospel, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So this is what Paul is saying first and foremost. He became a servant according to the gift of the grace of God. We recognize that the gifts that God gives are by His grace. And he gifts his church, he gifts his people to serve in the life of the church. To build up, to edify. Beloved, where have you been gifted? What are your gifts? 
I know what God has called me to. I know what He has gifted me at. And I'm good at some things and I'm not so good at other things. It's just not my gift. I don't have an ability where other people do have that ability. Where has God called you? Where has He gifted you? In His grace, what has He gifted you with to serve in the life of the congregation? To minister to one another in building one another up in the fear of the Lord. Where? Do you know? Do you recognize? Do you know that your life in this congregation is not just simply coming on Sunday, leaving and doing nothing, but to be in union and communion with one another? To build each other up in fellowship in Jesus Christ? God has gifted us for that purpose so that we would all come to the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. As each gift then supplies what is lacking in other parts of the body. This again is a difficulty, isn't it? That many don't even understand where they're gifted. I think it goes back to reading and understanding the Word of God again. And we're not in the Word of God. You don't know where you're gifted. You don't know where you fit in. Are you an ear? Are you an eye? Are you a finger? Are you a foot? This is using an analogy. Figures of speech that the Apostle Paul uses with regards to the body of Christ. Where do you fit in, beloved? If you're a mouth, you can't be an ear. If you're an ear, you can't be an eye. Each one has their particular place and purpose within the life of the body. And each gives strength and encouragement and building up edification to the body. I'm going to tell you this. The Eighth Commandment of the Heidelberg Catechism. It speaks in this way. That God regards the misuse and the waste of His gifts as theft. Are you stealing from God? Are you stealing from God by not using the gifts He's given to you? Paul is making it clear that there is a gift of grace that is given to the minister, but also the whole of the body of Christ. It is given to me by the effective working of His power. The the energy that God supplies. This is how it comes, right? And so it's not a dead gift. It's not a, a stale, stagnant gift. It's a gift of excitement that the apostle says that he's received from the Lord. This is how God works. It's effective within the life of the individual and drives him. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel, Paul said. He was compelled to preach the gospel. You couldn't keep him from preaching the gospel. Spurgeon used to say, lectures to his students. Uh, He wrote a book that, that was entitled Lectures to His Students. And he said in there that if you can do anything else besides preaching, go do it. Because if you do, you weren't called to preach. What he's getting at is what the Apostle Paul says, Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. When the Lord gifts the man to that work, he he must preach. It's like a fire within his belly. He must preach the word of God. He can't do anything else but preach the word of God. And this is what Paul is saying. This is the effective working of God's power, His dunamis within an individual. So Paul recognizes this. This is humility. I love this. He says, to me, who am less than least, the least of all the saints. What's your view of yourself? You see, when you see yourself as less than the least, actually the Greek term means far less. He saw himself as the lowest of the low. 
The chief of all sinners, he said. This is how Paul saw himself. Who is it that you won't serve? What is it that you won't do in the kingdom of Christ if you have that view of yourself? This is a humble view. He had a sober assessment and understanding of himself. Uh, There's a lot of drunken people within the ministry today. And I mean that not physically. I mean that spiritually. They think more highly of themselves than they ought to think. But yet here's Paul saying, well, I'm the lowest of the low. And you find men today exalting themselves to positions of power and prestige. I mean, that's the world, isn't it? That's not the kingdom of Christ. I've used this example before. Take a triangle. You know, the point is usually we have up here like this. This is the way of the world. The big man is always on top. And everybody else down here is, is serving to that man. And you know, the, the, the desire of mankind is then to climb the corporate ladder. And it doesn't matter who I have to step on. And I'll use your face with my feet so I can climb up higher. Uh, that's the world in which we live. Tooth and nail. It's biting and clawing for prestige and power and wealth and fame. Fortune. Not humility. But the kingdom of Christ is that triangle inverted. The greatest of the kingdom, Jesus said, is the servant of all. And therefore he finds himself the low of the low, serving all mankind. Boy, how contrary to the world in which we live. How contrary in the life of the church in which we live and move and have our being. This is a strange thing. But as the Apostle Paul says... That he is the less than least of all the saints. Not some, but all. Gather them all together, all the saints. And Paul says, I'm on the bottom. I'm not even worthy to be called a saint. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. I'm the one who persecuted the church. I put the people of God to death. I'm the one who was pursuing them to kill them for the cause of religion, as it were. Paul recognized who he was. You know, beloved, it's, it's for us to know, isn't it? That when you know God, you know who you are. And when you know who you are, then you're ready to serve in the life of the church. When you know God, you're humbled. When you know God, you know you've been purchased. You know when you look in the mirror and you know all the sins that you've committed. Well, you don't know all of them, but you know the sins that are on your mind that you've committed. That you've broken all of God's commandments. And yet Christ came as a servant to redeem you from all of your sin and misery. And we won't serve. We won't wash feet. We won't pick up somebody else's trash. We won't bend over. We won't help. We won't communicate. We won't fellowship. We won't care. We won't share. We won't do that. And yet Christ shares with the inheritance. Christ washes our feet. Christ gathers us up. He communes with us as friend to friend. He is a friend that sticks closer to the brother. Oh, what friend we have in Jesus. All of our sins and griefs to bear. And we won't bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We need to do some assessment in our lives. So the Apostle Paul says to examine yourself to see whether or not you're even in the faith. We had Sunday school, we were looking at a survey about the evangelical world. And 
56% of those in the evangelical church that were surveyed didn't even believe that the Bible was God's holy, inspired, and errant word. And you know what? They aren't saved. Because the Holy Spirit works that faith and confidence in the Word of God that it is in truth God's Word. There's nobody who is redeemed who wonders, well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. No, He gives you a surety. He gives you confidence to know that the Bible is God's Word and you stake your life upon the teaching of Scripture. So, the Apostle Paul then says, this grace was given... And this is the purpose why he was converted, why he was redeemed. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul was called and redeemed to be a preacher. An apostle, no doubt, but part of that aspect of an apostleship was proclaiming, evangelizing. Going everywhere, bringing the word of God, bringing them in from the fields of sin. Co-workers, co-laborers with Christ. It's not just God bringing them in through the Lord Jesus. It's not just Christ building the church. We are an aspect of the church. We are part of the church. We are the body of Christ. And therefore, we are those that are involved in the building of the kingdom. Building of the church. Co-laborers with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see that, beloved? Do you see that blessing that we have? That responsibility? That wonder of being a redeemed individual brought into the body of Christ to serve. God ultimately regenerates the soul. But how does He do that? Through the ministry of the Word. Evangelizing with the Word. That's our calling. That's our responsibility. Not just me, us. We are all called to go out into the fields that are white to harvest and compel them to come in. Bring them. Talk to them about Jesus. Tell them about the wrath that is going to come. That God is going to punish sin. That there is a hell. And there is a heaven. And the only way to heaven is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so that's what we do. This is what Paul did. And we are to follow in that wake. We are to assess our gifts. We are to know that we have gifts. We are to use those gifts. We are to be diligent and good stewards of the gifts that God has given to us. We are to aim to be servants to the glory of God and to the advancement of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And then we are to be those that have a humble assessment of ourselves. Knowing that we are not better than anybody else. We all come into the kingdom through the foot of the cross. Doesn't matter what status, doesn't matter your education... Look at Paul was a man who had the equivalent of three PhDs. And here he is saying the lowest of the lows. In our day, boy, you have an education and you have a string of letters behind your name and people exalt you like you're next to God. And you're not. You've been giving these things to be a servant of mankind. <laughs> Just remembering... Uh, uh, the the Christmas Carol. Uh, it's, I think it's, uh, it's Ebenezer Scrooge. Anyway, in there, he's talking to his friend Marley, and he talks about mankind. And Scrooge didn't want to give any money, didn't want to contribute anything to mankind. And he says, "You know what? That's somebody else's business." And his friend Marley says, "Mankind is our business." Do you see that? Do you see that mankind is our business? 
It's easy to be indifferent. It's easy to be closed mouth. You know, you don't get criticized, do you? You go in and you sit and you don't say nothing and you leave and no criticism. But you go in and you make a ruckus about the things of Christ, then everybody wants to talk smack about you. But that, that, that's what comes along with being a Christian, isn't it? The standing up, standing up for Jesus. Church doesn't do a good job of that today. We're too afraid of the world. We're too afraid of what men say to us. We're too afraid of how they're going to look down upon us. Who cares? Preach the word. Evangelize. In season, out of season. Uh, This is the calling of the church of Jesus Christ. Preaching there is evangelizing. Euangelizo. It's evangelizing the gospel. Well, beloved, you've got to know what the gospel is before you can go out and evangelize, right? And most of the evangelical world doesn't know what the gospel is. So no wonder we have all these the fruitcakes that are out within the church today. They don't even know what the gospel is. What are they doing? It's the self-help gurus that are going on. Telling you, you know, you do this and you do that and you pray over this cloth and you send us money and everything will go well for you. And scores of people believe that stuff? That's garbage. That's, that's the seducement of Satan in the life of the church. So Paul says that the purpose was to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable. They're past tracing out. The Apostle Paul makes it clear. What are the riches of Christ? We have an inheritance that is undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are yours in Christ. You have sonship, which is an unsearchable riches of Christ. That you are brought in from outside into the family of God. You have the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit. You have the sealing work of the Holy Spirit. You have the assuring work of the Holy Spirit. The sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. You have that comfortable presence of the Holy Spirit leading you constantly to the Lord Jesus Christ. All things are yours in Jesus Christ. You have been reconciled. You are redeemed. You are one who is adopted. You are one who has assurance sealed by the blood of the Lamb through the work of the Holy Spirit. These are the unsearchable riches. We no longer are under the wrath of God. We have favor with God. We have the comfortable presence of God. God is no longer a consuming fire to us. He is a consuming fire to those outside of Jesus Christ. But within Jesus Christ, our God is a God who then brings us comfort and peace and joy. I have peace within. A new song has been put in my heart. All of these things are the unsearchable riches. God has united the Gentiles with the Jews to receive all the fullness of the blessings in Jesus Christ. All the promises that you find in Scripture... They belong to us in Christ. They are yea and amen in Christ. 2 Corinthians 1. So Paul's purpose was to make all see what is the fellowship. How does he make them see? By preaching the gospel. God works by secondary means. So Paul went out with the emphasis of compelling, of speaking, of declaring, of explaining, of unfolding the things of God for the people of God. To make them see the mystery. The Mysterion. Again, that which in the Old Covenant was not as clear, which is made plain in the New. He was causing them, by the Word, to understand. 
which was from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. Notice that Christ created all things. Christ is the creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's Christ. He is the word of God. He is before all things and in him all things consist. It's the father like that architect who has designed all these things. It is Christ like the master builder who implements them. It's the Holy Spirit who brings consummation to all of it. Bringing it full circle. But no doubt, it's Christ who is the creator. He's God come in the flesh. He's the second member of the Godhead. And He is the one. He makes these things plain through the preaching. As He unfolds and peels back, as it were, the minds, the eyes of the heart. So that we would understand. But He doesn't do it apart from means. Beloved, your, your witness to Christ is a means that God uses. It may be a co-worker. It may be simple things. Simply being in the line at the checkout stand of saying something to somebody about Jesus. I mean, listen to people talk. The fields are ripe to harvest. Listen to people talk. People are nervous in our day. People are so concerned about is there going to be a third world war? Are we going to get nuked? Are we going to nuke somebody? What's the condition of the world? It's never about that, beloved. It is always about Christ and His church. We are at the center of all things. Not the world, not Russia, not China, not the United States. The church of Jesus Christ. We're central to all things. And so call them into the kingdom. The true kingdom, the right kingdom, the holy kingdom, the righteous kingdom. Not this stuff that's perishing. I thought about this yesterday. I was watching a, a football preview to a football game. They were talking about the Heisman Award. Most prestigious award you can get in college football. And they were talking about one individual who, who won the award... And he didn't seem to esteem the award very highly. And it was offensive to these guys. How dare he? How dare he belittle that award like that? Well, as I kept listening, I realized they were talking about Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow is a Christian. Any man knows that that's a perishable crown. It doesn't take but years and that thing is dust covered and down in the basement somewhere. Who cares? But see, to the world, that's everything. It's a perishable crown. The sadness that I find in the church today is that we run for an imperishable crown. You can't take my crown. It doesn't fade. It doesn't dim. The, the luster is always there. And yet, how do we run? Do we run as those that inherit an imperishable crown? Do we run like the world runs for the perishable things? You ever see an athlete train? Boy, he eats, he conditions, he gets up early, he runs, he lifts weights, he prepares, he exercises, he goes through the motions again and again and again so he can get these things down with his, to perfection. And here we are sitting in our hands. We run for an imperishable crown. <laughs> so let's run, beloved. Let's run that race that is set before us. You in your small corner and I in mine. 
You've been called to a certain area. I've been called to a certain area. Well, let's go out as the body of Christ, as the army of the Lord. Let's evangelize the world. Let's use our gifts. Let's call them. Let's make the mystery and the wonder of that fellowship and union and that reconciliation with the true and living God. Let's make it a reality in people's lives that we can be reconciled to the God that we have offended through the Lord Jesus Christ. No greater message. No greater joy. No greater union than the union with Christ. Tell them. They need to hear the truth. We have it. Let's proclaim it. Be humble. It's been given to you. To whom much has been given, much is required. But proclaim it, beloved. Evangelize for the glory of God and for the good of the church. Amen. Shall we pray?